Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C., a program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. We try to rely on the wisdom of the Word of God for the sake of the culture and the mission of the church, or as we like to say here at the LCRL, we're trying to put our temporal liberties to work for the sake of the eternal liberties of God for all. Today on the program, we are privileged to have with us Wesley Smith. He's chair and senior fellow of the Discovery Institute Center on Human Exceptionalism, and also Tim Gegline, vice president of government communications for Focus on the Family. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank Thank you you very much. Listen, today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, uh, Wesley, your National Review article, California Bill to Exclude Parents from Children's Mental Health Care. And I'm just, I'm quoting here, you say, progressives are attacking the right of parents to be in charge of the care of their children. And I was just thinking about this. It used to be that if we wanted to give children an aspirin, you had to call the parents to make sure that you had their permission. Now, with regard to whatever it is, birth control, abortion, gender issues, they don't even have to inform parents if laws like Washington's Bill 5599 or California's AB 665 becomes law across the nation. So my question right off the bat is why is this bad for families, children, and even society? Because it seems like people are saying it's going to be okay. Well, you know, what's what's going on is that uh, political progressives uh, really do want to steal children uh, of traditional people. Right. They want to be able to uh, assure that a, a child who presents with gender dysphoria can get gender-affirming care, meaning puberty blocking, and perhaps even surgeries like like mastectomies. They want to make sure that children ages, say, 12 and above can get abortions or birth control pills or mental health care. But it is still required that permission be uh, granted to give an aspirin. That's what cracks me up. So there's this sense that on on some issues, they're arguing children don't have the capacity, and I, I don't want to get into those issues today. But here you're talking about something that can radically alter their lives they're 12 years old, they're, they're confused, and they're saying, well, your parents don't need to know about this, uh, let us help you. That's right. crazy. It's, it's Well, it's not crazy if you understand that the, that the French Revolution is attacking the American Revolution. Right. That is that there is an attempt to destroy what exists so that something new and utopian can be built in its place. Right. Once people get their mind around that, we can stop saying, oh my gosh, that's insane, or oh, how can they even think that's good? Because... The point is destruction and then rebuilding in a whole new uh, cultural milieu. Yeah, I, I, I try to explain that to folks that our kids are being taught that there is no real sin, there is no real problem, there's just systemic issues. And if you destroy the present systems and and, and launch more humane systems like socialism, et cetera, with, then we'll have this utopia. Tim, you know, the fundamental role of the family, we say it all the time, it's the trinity of civility. But I don't think the church realizes that we have a role to play in fighting this 
taking it back and talking about the narrative of the uniqueness of the institution of the family and why it's good for society. You know, tell us how Focus is doing that, but also why the church needs to rise to this occasion for the sake of the culture. Well, I I love that question because we are literally living in the midst now, as Wes said so eloquently, not only in an age of disruption, but uh, one of the great Supreme Court justices uh, in an unrelated case very uh, famously warned us of the coming new orthodoxy. And I think that the whole idea uh, that we are discussing today of parental rights is really fundamentally the, 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 the tip of the spear of the new orthodoxy. Because of a sudden, in the United States of America, even on those issues where there was no common ground until you know, essentially yesterday, on the issue of parental rights, even in the most uh, age of you know, the, the biggest hyper-polarization we can imagine, even on this fundamental question of parents and children, there has been, I think it's fair to say, mostly a longstanding agreement. But what we have seen is that the so-called trans debate did not cause what we are discussing today, but it has merely brought to the forefront essentially a frontal assault on marriage, family, and parenting. And in the age of of, of the new orthodoxy, in this age of massive uh, disruption, I think we all better buckle up. Uh, because uh, this is an extension of the pro-life movement. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, th- this is an extension of the debate over uh, marriage. It's, it is part and parcel. It is the most recent chapter. But I think uh, to, the, to the point that, 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 that Wesley made so well and Greg that you let off with, I, I think we have to see this as a continuum uh, and, a, and a genuine warning to people of faith that when they debate uh, this issue uh, in California or Vermont or heaven forfend Iowa, ultimately it's coming to your front door. And that's what I want to get back. I'd like to add this point. You know, I often, when we talk about these issues, um, people will say, oh, well, you know what? That'll never happen here. Anybody who thinks that's been asleep for 50 years. Right. uh, Right. Because the, the way things are going, anything can happen. And I'm also worried because I sense a sense of exhaustion on the part of a lot of, uh, let's say, traditional people or, or social conservatives. They're, fi- they're saying, okay, look, do whatever you want because, you know, the, uh, the, the challenges are unremitting. Just do whatever you want. Just leave me alone. But they're not going to leave you alone. Right. They this uh, discussion we're having here demonstrates they're not going to leave you alone. California has declared itself a transgender sanctuary state. Right. That means that if let's say um, a a child uh, asks for a mastectomy, a fourteen-year-old girl in Texas, and the and Texas courts gave custody to the father who said no, and the mother kidnaps the child and takes the child to California. California will not return the child to Texas as would normally be required under law if that child has a transgender uh, issue or is gender dysphoric. So you can see that you even have a cultural imperialism happening uh, in the states. Vermont, just for assisted suicide, said you don't have to be a resident to get assisted suicide. Why is that? Because they want people from all over the country to be able to be made dead based on their own cultural and uh, moral desires. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's so purposely uh, uh, nefarious. 
And I think that's one of the things we have to also define for our people. Um, a lot of times I hear them say, well, this is just liberals and conservatives. And no, no, no. Old-fashioned old liberals and old-fashioned conservatives believed there were objective truths that we could agree on. We just might come to them differently. These are folks that are saying there is no truth. There's only power. And the state, their status, their secular status, and if they get in charge, whatever they say will be the truth of that moment. And so I think- And that's Wesley, not slippery slope thinking. That's facts on the ground. Facts on based the ground. Based on these laws that are passing in states like Washington, California, Vermont, et cetera. Right. And that's why- say, uh, Go ahead. Hey, say, Greg. Greg. Greg, Greg, and Leslie, to, to both of those points, uh, and I, and I, I want to go specifically, if I may, to the comment uh, about uh, people becoming exhausted, despairing, and discouraging. Uh, in behalf of Focus on the Family, I was speaking in a major forum just last week, uh, and the most common refrain that I heard afterward is something like the following: "I just want to let this pass over me." I want to keep my head down. I have never uh, wanted to disengage more than now. I'm eager to step back. All I care about is protecting me and my family, uh, and the rest of it can just go by me. And I kept looking, uh, you know, in this in this sense of discouragement for the biblical admonition that we're supposed to disengage, that right. we're supposed to keep our head down, that we're supposed to step out of the public square. And I'm very glad that Wesley uh, raised that point, Greg, in light of your question, because that is exactly the opposite message that it seems to me we should be sending uh, in this uh, in in this time in American life that we find ourselves in. Uh, it, quite the opposite. This is the time to engage as never before. This is precisely the time not to keep our heads down. We have to uh, find a way courageously to go into the public square and to make our case. You know, Shakespeare in his great uh, play on Julius Caesar uh, says that, 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 that a coward dies hundreds of times, you know, before his actual death. And, uh, and this is a time, it seems to me, uh, to buckle up and to reconfirm our commitment, uh, you know, to those timeless uh, principles uh, re regarding uh, parental rights. Well, and, you know, the Reformation, when you think about Luther, one of the things that Luther said is about we want to empty the monasteries because we want our best people back in the middle of all these things. Because God has always been in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our chaos with his law and his gospel, truths that curb and transform us. And so he doesn't want his people to abdicate their role to society calling the community to humanity and civility, even as they call all individuals to repentance and faith. And, and you know, what was what's interesting is one of the things that I've been teaching our people, just to kind of throw it back to both of you, is coming up with a metaphor that helps them understand that this is a godly thing to do to engage these moral issues, even if you're not sharing, in our terms, the gospel or the ultimate solution in Christ. And I said to him, it's like a football analogy. The quarterback, the wide receiver, the running back, they're the ones who score the ultimate touchdown. But we're the blockers, too. You know, a good, you need a good offensive line. And unfortunately, blockers block every play. There is no play where they don't block and try to put the defensive lineman on the ground. And that can be part of a godly work, too. It's just tougher because you don't really see the touchdown scored. You're probably laying on your back. Wesley, that's what I want to get back to, taking back the narrative. Your Discovery Center's Center on Human Exceptionalism takes back the narrative 
when you say these principles are foundational to freedom, they're foundational to a, a culture that is humane. I mean, we're the true humanists in that regard uh, that are built yes. on these foundational principles. Talk about how your institute is doing that. Well, we engage uh, from a uh, human rights perspective, not a religious perspective. Right. Because we want to invite people in, whether they're religious, a-religious, atheist, or whatever. These are human rights principles. These are the, these are the principles of uh, Western civilization that have right. brought unprecedented freedom, liberty, and prosperity to the world. And and you find uh, what's going on. I think is that the world uh, that the West was so successful, it's become there's a decadence that has set in, right. and a dissipation. Well, the Center on Human Exceptionalism says, look, human beings have unique value. And and as a corollary of that, we also are the only species that has moral duties. We are the only known moral species in the universe. And that means if we're going to be fully human, we not only have to protect each other's inherent intrinsic equality, regardless of our circumstances in terms of moral worth, but we also have a duty to engage. We have a duty to each other. We have a duty to our posterity, that's for sure. In fact, the founders who created this country, and and Tim just wrote a wonderful book about these issues, were talking about their posterity all the time. That's us. Right. Are we going to do any less than they did? Especially, we're not even faced, at least for yet, with the kind of, uh, uh, let's say, martyrdom that causes, you know, blood martyrdom. We are faced with the potential for social exclusion, but so what? That's what we were brought to, forth on this time to do. So stand up, be courageous, be loving in your in your advocacy and and. Um, and just do what's right for your family and for your country. Here's a story. <laughs> I was once speaking to a pro-life group, and uh, and actually this has happened more than once, and some of the people, wrote, one of the persons rose their hands and they laughed, and they said, oh, well, we don't have to worry. We have more children than the other side, so eventually we'll win. And I looked at them and I said, I'm sorry, sir. They don't need to have children. They're going to steal yours. Right. Should have seen the look on his face. Well, hey, before I jump off that topic and back to you, Tim, um, but Wesley, when you said you said that phrase, and I think I understood it, that the French Revolution has taken over the American Revolution. Right. Explain that, uh, you know, to the the average folks who are listening, because I agree with you. I think that's exactly what's happening. But what do you mean by that? People think that the French Revolution and the American Revolution were similar, but they weren't. They were right. as dissimilar as, as can be. The French, the American Revolution was about making a better world. It was about reform. I call it, it sounds like an oxymoron, a conservative revolution, that it wasn't seeking to destroy, it was seeking to improve. The French Revolution was completely different. The French Revolution wanted to obliterate everything that came before. It wanted to obliterate the monarchy. It wanted to obliterate the church. It wanted to obliterate the social uh, uh, conventions of the time. In fact, that's why it declared year zero. And then it was going to rebuild everything in in a utopian perfection manner, heaven, you know, paradise on earth. And what happened as a consequence of the French Revolution was the terror. The terror was unleashed. And and the French Revolution, by the way, beget the Bolshevik Revolution, beget the Cultural Revolution in China that led to millions of people dying. So the French Revolution is about destruction. It's about chaos. It's about trying to create perfection on earth. 
The American Revolution is about reform, about improvement, and about liberty and freedom. And uh, the, the two are not the same. And, and what we're experiencing today is a French Revolution-type uh, assault on uh, all traditional and existing cultural norms in order to tear them to dust, and then hopefully they think we build a utopian future, but that utopian future will be utterly authoritarian. Right. And, and you know, again, from a biblical, I know, I know your organization doesn't come at it this way, but from our point of view, and there's plenty of evidence too, we're a sin, human beings are sinful and broken, and that's why the Founding Fathers limited power. They, did, they didn't want power all aggregating in one place because it would become dominating and tyrannical. And so again... Family, church, and then state as the third organization in in culture. These are all things to be fought for. Tim, talk about focus on the family's commitment to this task for the sake of the parents, for the sake of the children, but ultimately for the sake of our culture, because our culture depends on families being healthy. Well, it does. And there's a connection point, by the way, which I think is interesting, between focus on the family and the Great Discovery Institute. Because one of the great books that is now forgotten was written by George Gilder, long associated with the Discovery Institute called Men and Marriage. And it was one of the very first path-breaking books that, among other things, showed that if you disconnect the role fundamentally of men and marriage, fathers uh, and marriage, the role of, of, of men as le and leaders in culture, uh, you simply get another culture. And, and I think, uh, if I may say, that one of the things that we at Focus on the Family uh, care about passionately when it comes to marriage, family, parenting, human life, religious liberty, is that we pay attention to the Madisonian uh, principle, Greg and Wesley, that you raised uh, with, with regard uh, to the Constitution. This Madisonian uh, insight, it seems so basic, but it is so fundamental to the debate that we're discussing today. And that is that Madison believed that the enemy of freedom is unrestrained power. And a very big part of what we're discussing today is, uh, is unrestrained power that is uh, inserting itself into the traditional role of parents and children. And I'd like to give just one example. You know, Lincoln said you can give all the examples you want, but he said you have to demonstrate. And one of the things that I think you can best demonstrate uh, the, the, the powerful conversation we're having today takes place of all places in Iowa. I mean, Iowa, you know, uh, where, where that state is presently roiling in a debate over what is called gender care plans gender care plans. You know, do you have to have permission from mothers and fathers, moms and dads, if your child who's in a public school uh, determines that this child, this little person wants a gender care plan? You know, I mean, you know, people cannot imagine because it sounds so Orwellian that we have arrived at this moment, not in Vermont and not on the left coast, but in the very center uh, of, of our nation. So this idea that the culture war, you know, is somehow, uh, you know, on the left uh, and, and, the, and the other coast is just simply not the case. It is everywhere. And I'll even add to that to demonstrate. I mean, I've been in urban ministry for 25 years, whether in New York City, whether in L.A., Dallas, 
And when you look at, and everyone who really is paying attention knows it's the purposeful destruction of the family that is bringing on the violence, the illiteracy, because like we always like to say, uh, you know, violence typically is boys unrestrained. Uh, I call them 14 to 20 year olds high on testosterone. And usually they used to run into their dads and dad said this far and no farther. And so moms and dads were the key to a civil society, and we actually obliterated that. And now we're seeing the violence, and that violence is coming uh, wherever the family is destroyed. All right, so again, I go back to you, Wesley. What, give us some advice to our people, whether it's politically, culturally, uh, or even personally. Uh, give us some advice after all the work that you've done in this regard. I think that the best advice would be to... Uh, look clearly, clear-eyed at what's happening, and rise to the occasion. You have to be deeply involved with your children's lives. Social media is a poison for children. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to uh, be willing to not be popular. <laughs> One of the things that I found when I started this work was at some point you just have to understand people are not going to like what you think and what you believe in, in terms of standing up for traditional values. You just be willing to accept that. That just comes with the territory. Um, I think you also have to um, not become passive and not expect other people to do it. One of the things that uh, we saw here in Virginia, where I live, uh, was uh, parents finally got a, a hint of what was going on with regard to critical race theory. Right. And they engaged very uh, forcefully in a democratic and peaceful manner at school board meetings. And school boards seem to have become the center of this. So attend your school board meetings. Look at the books your children are reading. Uh, go to the library and see what's there. And and be willing to, to raise a ruckus if things are wrong. And also support those teachers who are doing things right. Right. Tim, any final thoughts? Yes, I'd like to in inject a very large note of hope because I actually think out in real America in this debate, uh, our, our side is winning in substantial ways. Uh, I, I think when you actually measure in the individual counties, in some of the important uh, public school systems, uh, you know, the so-called pronoun uh, you know, debates, uh, the, the, the things like I raised about gender care plans, there, there, there's a host of these things. Governors are dealing with them. State legislatures are dealing with them, often in very surprising places. And it's amazing that, that there, there are many of our progressive friends who think uh, you know, that they've been on a tear, so-called, of winning. But in fact, they are experiencing pretty major losses uh, in substantial ways. And I think that is because we're living in the midst of a parental and in some places a grandparental rebellion uh, in light of what Wesley said, where people are saying enough. What's a school board? Can I run for the school board? What's a curriculum? Who decides the texts? Uh, these are excellent questions, and I think it's for these reasons and a host of others uh, that we have we have good reason to be hopeful. And I think I'll just my final thing on this too is, folks, um, there is truth in the world, and that truth does transform. And there is a sense we're fighting for these principles. These principles do work. You know, family isn't just something we uh, haphazardly created. It's kind of written into the nature of things. And so I love, I'll end with the Chesterton quote that I always love to quote. Chesterton, you know, as a young man, he hated the church because it always seemed to say no or put up barriers where he didn't want those barriers to be. 
And of course, whenever we say any moral no, uh, any uh, uh, principle that actually says no to our libertinism today, we hear that as hate speech. Well, Chesterton said this, as you grow up, you realize that where God or the church properly put those barriers in, it was so that freedom could run wild. We have to take back the narrative. They have this narrative that there are no barriers, there is no no, you just do as you please, and they're running over the edge and, of and life. one other point, you know, they say, well, you hate trans kids when you try to prevent mastectomies. Right. No, we love trans kids. That's why we try to prevent mastectomies. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Gentlemen, thank you so much for this energetic conversation, and we will talk more about this in the future. God bless you both. Thanks, Thank Greg. Greg. Thanks, Tim. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Contained there are resources to empower your public square dynamic discipleship. Or check out our weekly Word from the Center opinion piece every Friday at facebook.com forward slash lcrlfreedom. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Seltz. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 